you know what? It's really fun to be here. Hello, Gordon. What's up, man? Hey, Danny. How you doing? Um, I just want to talk to you about me wanting to go to the Pacers. Okay. Well, what, well, what's going on? Things are crazy right now. Well, you know, I appreciate everything you've done, but my family's just really situated in Indiana, and we really want to be there. And I didn't want to leave you guys high and dry, so that's why we got the 48-hour extension to make sure you guys could, you know, fill in the missing part. No, me. Well, we, well, we appreciate that. So you just want to do a sign-and-trade with the Indiana Pacers, that's it. You're not interested in any other teams because, you know, we're, we're two guys. We're going to be honest with each other, right? Nope. Okay. Indiana, all the way. Indiana, all the way. All right. Well, I'm going to call Chad, the general manager of the Pacers, and I'll get back to you ASAP. Okay. All right. Talk later. Have a good one. A few moments later. What's up? This is Chad. Hey, Chad, how you doing? This is Danny Ainge of the Boston Celtics. Just wanted to talk a little sign and trade scenario with my boy, Gordon Hayward. Oh, old Gordy boy, Indiana native. All right, what do you got for me? Well, how much are you guys planning on signing him for? I figured you guys would be probably in the four-year, $25 million a year. So like a four-year, $100 million contract. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good. All right. So in return, I think what would be the easiest and the best thing possible is if you give us Reggie Miller, Deflif Shrimp, Jermaine O'Neal, Rick Smits, Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert, head coach Larry Bird, Jeff Foster, and Ron Artest before the Malice in the Palace. What are your thoughts? Listen, I have to say that you're probably out of your mind to think that that's going to happen. Well, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm Danny Ainge. I'm the best general manager around. I pants everyone in every single deal that I do. So I feel like this is only fair because my ego is ginormous and I never lose a trade. Well, listen, I think I'm the best GM in the world. So that's why I'm going to have to decline this one there, buddy. A few moments later. Hello? Hey, Gordo. It's uh, Danny Ainge. How are we doing? Hey, Danny. What's going on, bud? Uh, no, I just wanted to give you an update. I talked to Chad. Uh, we had, you know, an asking price and uh, he just didn't buy into it. But I think I got a good plan that he's going to come around. So if you be a little bit more patient with us, I think everything's going to work out. Well, see, here's the thing there, Danny boy. I just got off the horn with someone. You might know him. His name is Michael Jordan. Uh, oh, okay. Why? Because he, you know, was thinking, and maybe, you know, I was thinking too, that I was go to the Charlotte Hornets and play basketball there. Well, how about you, how about, how about you go to Gordon? That's not a good idea. How about you just go golfing and gamble with him instead? You, you should either resign with us or be patient with this, with this Indiana deal. He's the logo on shoes. Of course, I'm going to go play for him. Oh, so wait, wait, you're going to, so hold on. You just said you're going to play for him. Wait, wait, what's the plan here? I'm going to go to Charlotte on a four year, $120 million contract. A few moments later. Hello, no 
one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Brad. It's uh, Danny Ainge. Um, I would suggest calling me back as soon as possible because um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to break your heart with this news I got coming for you. What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 99 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. You can also check me out on Big Night Media with all their other fantastic podcasts. So don't forget to follow, subscribe to everything that is Big Night Media. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for shameless plugs. So here we go. Episode 99, Banner Banter Podcast. Holy guacamole, what a week. What a week. Gordon Hayward, Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, Vincent Pleille, Ennis Cantor, Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard. Like, the list just goes on and on. There's so much to talk about, and I'm going to try and break it down for you as best as I can. I am recording this Sunday afternoon before the Patriots game, which is at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So, with that being said, if anything happens after basically about 1 p.m. Sunday to... Well, basically anything that happens after 1 p.m. Sunday, I will try to add it into the end of the podcast if needed. If not, you're just going to have to wait a week for episode 100. Episode 100 of the Banner Banter podcast will be next week. Who would have thought? Not me, said the blind man. All right. So I hope everyone enjoyed the in- intro. That was my buddy Big T and I were just trying to have some fun. It's been a stressful week for the, for every single Boston Celtics fan out there. And let's just get let's just get right to it. Gordon Hayward, he's leaving the Celtics. Could it be a sign-and-trade? I guess the Celtics are, and the Hornets are still working out a sign-and-trade scenario. I don't know how that's going to work. Basically, right now, the Charlotte Hornets are going to have to clean up about $10 million worth of cap space to make sure that their $30 million, on average, a year deal with Gordon Hayward uh, can be cleared up. And the hot and heavy rumor is right now that Nicholas Batum, they're going to waive him and maybe stretch out his deal a little bit. I don't know how that's going to work. That's hardcore salary cap stuff. I feel like I get some of it, just not all of it. But here we are. So, Gordon Hayward, four years, $120 million with the Charlotte Hornets. I, you know, to be honest with you, it, it can't really be a big surprise because originally when Gordon Hayward was going to leave the Utah Jazz, he was interested in the Charlotte Hornets. He wanted to play with Kemba Walker, which I'm going to get to that in a second. But then the Celtics came in the mix, and... You know, he realized, oh, maybe I'll, I can play better with Brad Stevens. I got some young guys up there. Maybe I can get the ball in my hand more, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not a huge surprise that if he couldn't get to Indiana, why he chose Charlotte. It's not too far from Indiana where his family lives. And in, I think it's an organization that he wants to play for. And clearly him and Michael Jordan have, some, you know, some respect for each other. But let me just say this. I, I have a couple cause for concerns. Number one is he left Brad Stevens. That's bizarre. Now, you could say that his usage rate went down. I think it was like 22 23% when he was in Utah, and now it's probably down to 17 or 18% playing behind Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, as it should be. Clearly, Gordon has been the same. He hasn't had the best of luck here. So I understand maybe why he wants to move on. 
that's weird he's leaving his basically like his second dad brad stevens and then he wanted to go play with kemba walker in charlotte and now he's leaving kemba walker now so again to me that is a little weird and then did danny not do anything did danny try too hard or were all the reports about gordon wanting to go to indiana just a big cover-up so he could slide right into the hornet's dms very interesting very or maybe who knows maybe he loves terry rogier Maybe him and Terry Rozier are just BFFs and none of us have any idea and he wants to go play with Terry Rozier. Who knows? But it's just so weird to me about the Indiana Pacers situation with the sign and trade. Gordon Hayward's family lives out there. Why didn't Danny do anything? Because originally there was a rumor out that he just wanted Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Then it turned into Miles Turner and TJ Warren. And if you guys remember, I talked about TJ Warren here and there. I don't want to say quite a bit, but here and there when the bubble was going on, you know, in August and September, because TJ Warren, you could argue, was one of the top 10 players, if not better, in the bubble. He was lights out the entire time, except when they played the Heat against Jimmy Butler. But if you take away all the Jimmy Butler Miami Heat games that they played against, he was unbelievable. And a lot of people, there was a report saying that the Pacers thinks he's a cornerstone franchise player, which is absolutely laugh out loud funny. That's basically stating Jason Tatum and TJ Warren are on the same playing field. And let's let's be serious. That's not true. And then there were some other reports basically saying he wanted Victor Oladipo straight up. My whole thing is, is when Justin or Aaron Holiday, I forget which Holiday brother it was. It wasn't Drew because he's with the Bucks now. But one of the Holiday brothers signed a six-year uh, I'm sorry, a $6 million per year, three-year, so a three-year, $18 million a year deal. Sorry, my mind is just all over the place. I have so much to say. <laughs> so a three-year, $18 million deal, and you're like, okay, if he signs for six, Miles Turner has a $17.5 million on average deal. That's $23.5 million. Gordon Hayward will probably make 25 Maybe they send us a second-round draft pick. We call it a day, and that's like the perfect scenario, and now everyone's happy. But it's just so interesting to me why Danny didn't pull the trigger. Was he asking for too much? Because he... <sighs> I like Danny Ainge. I think sometimes he tries too hard. And I think also sometimes <clears throat> he he thinks he's like the best general manager of all time. And every general manager should think that way. Every general manager should go into big egos. But Danny won the Isaiah Thomas trade with the Suns. He won the... Minnesota Timberwolves trade with Kevin Garnett, even though he did it with his former teammate, Kevin uh, Kevin McHale. He won the Jason Tatum trade. You know, imagine if the Celtics drafted Mark Fultz, but no, he pants the 76ers and got Jason Tatum and said, great job. Obviously, the Kevin Garnett, uh, Paul Pierce trade to the, the Nets. He got Jalen Brown out of that and, you know, a couple other picks that hopefully will work out, and, and that's fine. So my whole thing is, is instead of, it, it's really tough to judge because we don't know what the situation is going to be with the Hornets. Is it going to be a sign-and-trade? Are we going to get a trade exception? If we can get a $20 million trade exception from the Hornets, that would be absolutely bananas because then we can trade for a player worth $20 million. It doesn't go up against our cap. That'd be delightful, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm Part of me has faith in Danny, and part of me is really angry at him. And part of me also realizes that maybe Gordon just wanted to leave. And that sucks because Hayward, uh, Horford left, Kyrie left. They didn't treat Isaiah Thomas that well. Anthony Davis didn't want to come here because the way they treated Isaiah Thomas. So 
it's real. I don't think it's a great look for the Celtics, but maybe Gordon Hayward just wanted to move on. Maybe he just realized, hey, it's just not working here. It's bad luck. Nothing against Jason Tatum. Nothing against Danny Ainge. Nothing against Brad Stevens. Whatever the case may be. Maybe he just didn't want to be here. But I also have to say that maybe Danny Ainge is just trying too hard and he's just pissing off every single general manager. If they came back and said, we'll give you TJ Warren and a bag of basketballs, I would have said, how about just one basketball? Or if they just wanted to give us one of the Holiday Brothers and Doug McDermott, fine. Take something back. Don't let this guy walk away from nothing. That's like the worst case scenario. And I, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate against my, my theory, that's fine. You could say, well, maybe Danny did everything that he could and the Pacers just weren't biting. That's also fine too. Maybe Danny Ainge just wanted a second round pick in Doug McDermott just to get something back. That's fine. But it's just very, very interesting why all these guys are leaving. I, when, when you think about the, the aftermath of the big argument that the Celtics had after one of the playoff games where chairs were being thrown and all that stuff, do people not like playing with Tatum, Brown, and Smart? Is it more those guys than it is Brad and Danny? Because that could be a little scary because that's going to be very interesting on how players look in the future if they want to play with Jason Tatum if or when there has been multiple reports stating that he is going to sign his rookie max extension or super max extension, which will be great, which means Gordon uh, Jason Tatum will be around for another four years with a player option on the fifth year. I don't think it's a team option anymore. I think it's just a player option. And then he'll be like, you know, 26, 27 years old. And then that's when we need to get really nervous if he's going to stay or go. So, you know, we are, we're a long way from that. And I don't want to go down that road. But with Gordon Hayward leaving and getting nothing in return, you guys, for, for those of you that aren't salary cap experts, I'm not, but I feel like I get a good a good idea of it. So I, I admit I'm not perfect in that in any, any way, shape, or form. But just because Gordon Hayward's leaving doesn't mean the Celtics are getting $34 million back, which is what Gordon Hayward would have gotten if he opted in. Now it only really opens up a mid-level exception for about $9 million, maybe a splash over, maybe 9.2, which there, it is going to be used on Tristan Thompson reportedly. And we'll talk about that in the middle a little bit. I would have been interested in Paul Millsap. I guess there was some mutual interest with Paul Millsap as well, but he didn't want to uproot his family from Denver and he wanted to stay there. I get that. I respect the hell out of it. You know, and then you're like, all right, well, maybe Rondo wants to come back, but he signed with the Hawks. And well, maybe Avery Bradley would come back. Can you imagine Marcus Martin and Avery Bradley back again together? Holy crap. Nope, he went and signed with the Heat. Well, maybe Jay Crowder will want to come back and prove himself to the Boston fans. Nope, he went to the Suns. So after Gordon, everything that happened before Gordon Hayward made his decision, after he got that 48-hour extension, because he was supposed to make his decision last Tuesday at 5 p.m., he got that 48-hour uh, extension, and it was just very interesting to see that he was going to opt out because Gordon could have opted out and still re-signed with the Celtics just on a different deal. There was many, many things that could have happened. It was just the last thing that you wanted to happen was him to go to a new team that might not be able to work out a sign-and-trade. That's a little scary. So you see all these other players, Millsap, Rondo, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Christian Wood, all these players that maybe could fit into the Celtics' salary situation and could be a good fit for the team just go away. So... You know, if you watch my Instagram story at Banner Branch Podcast, the second I found out about the Gordon Hayward situation, I blamed Danny Ainge. I went zero to 100. Should I have done that? I don't know. Should we do that? Maybe. Because, like I said, he could have done everything he wanted to do, or he did nothing, 
or he was his ego got in the way. So there's so many different scenarios, and I guess we'll just never know because we were never in that locker room, or not in the locker room in those conversations. Even though my buddy Big T and I we tried to joke about that at the intro of the podcast that you heard. So what do the Celtics do now? So the first thing that they do is they trade, and this is this is heartbreaking to me, folks, because I was a fan. I thought that he was going to be a okay bench player but he proved me wrong i i had no idea someone could be slower than ennis Cantor, and and here we are but say it with me one last time vincent got traded with cash considerations to the oklahoma city thunder for a second rounder vinny p sex pants whatever the hell you want to call him i mean he posted something the other day on instagram he's a hilarious instagram and twitter follower or follow if you guys are interested he he calls himself sex pants. If he says, "Hey, go to this barber and ask for a sex fade," funny, funny stuff. And and like I said, I'll admit that I was wrong about Vincent Poirier, but it's just a bummer that Vincent Poirier. I'm trying to say that as much as I possibly can because we're not going to say it anymore afterwards. Is leaving. So see you later. Bye bye. We'll miss you, Vincent. Poirier. Anyways, so Vincent Poirier is gone. Now what? Well, what 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 should the Celtics do? Well, maybe clear clear some cap space and maybe get a veteran in here. But you know what they did? They decided to re-sign Shemi Ojale. Like, thank freaking God. Hallelujah. Round of freaking applause. Oh, my God. I feel so much better that Gordon Hayward left. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Like, can someone explain to me why we're bringing him back minus his 14 minutes a game and maybe a couple times that he hits a corner three when he has to go out there to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo? Like, tell me why. Like, seriously, I need to know. Tell me, baby girl, because I need to know. Like, sure, his three-point shooting has improved year by year, and sure, you know, he is literally a brick wall, but he's not good. Like, what is he doing? Like, this is why I don't understand, like, Shemi Ojale did not work with the Celtics, okay? It's okay. We can move on. I just don't understand why he's still here. Why is he still here? I, I, I will never understand it. Sure, I'm as we know, over the years, I have not been a fan of him, and it's growing worse and worse every year, but I don't understand it. Like, I don't get it. Like, you have, if everyone is so in love with Romeo Langford, which we'll get to, let me tell you, we'll get to, because Mr. Romeo Langford is still in a cast He's still in a cast. The training camp starts in like two weeks, if not sooner. And the dude's still in the cast. We might not see him until February. Which, you know, some, oh, hey, that might only be like 25 games. They're playing 72. Okay, so if your team Romeo Langford here, Shemi Ojale being there, I, I'm like, why? If you want to see Romeo Langford grow, which everyone thinks is going to be this great player, vomit. Why is Shemi still here? Get him out of here. Clear up that extra cap space. Who gives a crap? Like, seriously, I don't get I don't get it. Anyways. So you're like, okay. So Vincent Poirier is gone. Shemi Ojale is staying. What are they going to do with Daniel Tice? And the Celtics announced yesterday that Daniel Tice is getting his $5 million guaranteed contract with the Celtics. So Daniel Tice will be back next year with the Boston Celtics, which I like. I like Daniel Tice. I think he has a good rapport with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker. I think he should be the starting center, even though the Celtics did announce that they have signed a two-year deal for $19 million with Tristan Thompson. Yes, the former Cleveland Cavalier, NBA champion, the guy who got an absolutely ridiculous amount of money because of LeBron James and his agent and et cetera, et cetera, the guy who cheated on Khloe Kardashian. 
all that stuff. Tristan Thompson is going to become a member of the Boston Celtics, and I don't want him to start. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't want him to start. I think him coming off the bench with a lot of energy will be a good thing. Now, if he plays ridiculous, like if he's given us 15 and 15 coming off the bench, sure, let's have a conversation. But like I said, I really think Daniel Tice, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart have a good thing going. And I don't want to mess that up just because of Tristan Thompson. Then the Celtics also announced that they signed Jeff Teague for a one-year deal. I haven't really seen the money yet. I think it's going to be like $2 million, maybe a little bit less, but it's going to be lower money, which is great. And he probably could have gotten more money if Shemi Ojale wasn't here. So let's break this down because, you know, the Celtics need some veteran leadership. Was I thinking that veteran leadership would be Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague? No, I don't think so. But hopefully they can be a little vocal. Jeff Teague did just play with the Minnesota Timberwolves with a bunch of young guys. Tristan Thompson also just played with the Cleveland Cavaliers, a bunch of young guys outside of Kevin Love, but, you know, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., Larry Nance Jr., you know, so on and so forth. So what does Tristan Thompson bring to the table minus the Kardashian sisters? And let me just say a couple things about that right now. Today is the 10-year anniversary of, uh, well, today because I'm recording on a Sunday, but it's getting released on Monday, as I said earlier, so sorry about repeating myself. But today is the 10-year anniversary of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West, one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Don't at me. Kim Kardashian has clearly made Kanye West go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Khloe Kardashian clearly made Lamar Odom go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And who knows? I, I think it's Kylie Jenner, or is it Kendall? I think Kendall's dating... Devin Booker, so hopefully he doesn't go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And Tristan Thompson, he cheated on Khloe Kardashian after they had a kid, so was he going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? We don't know. I don't want the Kardashian sisters around Jason Tatum. I don't want the Kardashian sisters around Jalen Brown. I don't want Kris Jenner around Marcus Smart, because I know Marcus Smart goes to clubs. I've seen him there. Like, he goes to be, you know, like, no, 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 no. I don't want him around. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want Deuce hanging out with North, South, East, West, whatever the case may be. K- keep him away. We got a good thing going here. But with that being said, I would kill, like I would make it the wallpaper of my, the background of my phone if Khloe Kardashian and Brad Stevens took a picture together. I think that would be the funniest freaking thing in the world. I really would. All right, back to basketball. So, Tristan Thompson. What's crazy about Tristan Thompson, in seven out of the last nine seasons, he has averaged more rebounds per game than any member on the Boston Celtics. So, let's go out on a limb and say, that's a plus. Tristan Thompson's length, Tristan Thompson's energy, Tristan Thompson's love for rebounding, I'm all in for it. I think it's a great pickup. I really do. I think him and Marcus Smart, off the bench, a lot of energy. They're the type of guys that don't mind getting into someone's face. And trust me, if we can have fans and Marcus Smart, I mean, if Marcus Smart and Tristan Thompson come out, a lot of energy, and they were fans of TD Garden, the place would erupt. I mean, we all remember all the times that Stand By Your Man, Marcus Morris, and Tristan Thompson went at it in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs. Remember when Marcus Morris was like, on the ground flexing because he like got a layup over Tristan Thompson and they're both like I, I it's one of my favorite photos. But with that being said, the energy that Tristan Thompson brings, especially with his offensive rebounding, his offensive rebounding statistics are out of this world. It's absolutely fantastic. I think he's one of the top ten best offensive rebounders, number wise. I'm not saying one of the best rebounds rebounders of all time. Just number wise in NBA history. Outstanding stuff. I really think him coming off the bench and getting some offensive rebounds, like if Tatum misses a three, or Neesmith, which we'll talk about in a bit, 
gets an off and misses, and he gets an offensive rebound. Yes, he can go up quick. Yes, his length can you know help him dunk over guys. He doesn't have a lot of hop, you know, like Time Lord, but he's also pretty good at passing the ball after he gets an offensive rebound because if three or four guys from the other team are crashing, but none of the Celtics players crash, even though they should, and they don't, and they just stand there and watch it, he can catch it and kick it out quick enough for hopefully a better and more open shot. So that's a good thing. Another good thing about uh, Tristan Thompson is he's a great screener, and he can roll very well. Now, like I just said with Time Lord, Time Lord can't screen that well. He rolls okay, but he has so much bounce that if even if he doesn't roll that well, he can jump over a lot of people. Tristan Thompson can't do that, but he can set a good solid screen and he uses his feet. He pivots properly. You know, if you set one way, he rolls, you know, he'll keep his right foot planted and roll with his left or keep his left foot planted and roll to his right, depending on where he is on the court. And that is a very, very good thing. So I'm all for that. I really think Kemba can get a lot of open shots, especially at the top of the key around the foul line, usually where he does, you know, his cardiac Kemba step back. Love that. I think it'll be good. He's pretty good on defense. I don't, you know, if you want to go back and forth about who can defend the pick and roll better, Tice or Thompson, I think I'm going to give the, I think I'm going to give it to Tice just because I think Tice has a little bit more athletic left to right than Tristan Thompson is, but that's okay. Um, But I do think he's pretty good defensively. I think the Time Lord has, I, I feel like he's like, he's better than the Time Lord in pick and roll defense. He doesn't have enough bounce to block shots like Time Lord, but he still can. So I, I, I think there will definitely be some times, some different lineups where you could see him starting, you know, above Tice. And I and hopefully Daniel Tice will be okay with that. I think Daniel Tice is a team player. You know, I can see Thompson starting against the 76ers, against the Heat, but all the other times I, I, I think it's Tice, 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 Tice. So the other thing that I'm a little worried about minus the Kardashian sisters, is his three-point shooting. His three-point shooting has improved. I think he only took like eight shots total in all of his seasons before this past one, and then he went like eight of 23. Now, cool, neat, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see him take a three-point shot ever unless he's like wide open, like wide open, like kind of like what Daniel Tice does, you know, Daniel Tice should be shooting more three-pointers. I'm okay with Daniel Tice taking some threes, but sometimes Daniel Tice feels like the only time he can shoot a three-pointer is if no one else was on the court. And I feel like that's got to be the vibe with Tristan Thompson. But one other thing about Tristan Thompson is through the years, whether it was Aaron Baines, Time Lord, Tice, Cantor, whenever a, pl- whenever a big man gets the ball at the top of the key and they're kind of looking for a handoff or waiting for someone to come off of a screen, I feel like they're very robotic, like – they're, they just go through the motions, and I feel like Tristan Thompson won't do that, and I'm into that, and I like that. So hopefully this will be a big pickup, and hopefully he realizes that maybe a couple years in Boston he can help the team get to the finals, and hopefully he gets one more big contract down the road. So Tristan Thompson, welcome to the Boston Celtics. Just keep the Kardashians away. And then Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague, veteran point guard. He's been around the block for a while. We, you know, us Celtics fans have a history with him uh, back in the day with the Atlanta Hawks when he was playing with Horford and Millsap. You know, some good, fun playoff series with him. Uh, last year, he averaged 10 points, 5 assists, and shot almost 37% from 3. So those are pretty good numbers. And if you compare him to Marcus Smart, 13 points, 5 assists, 37% from 3. Now, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying numbers-wise, offensively, they kind of are the same player. They can both facilitate the ball well. They can, 
They don't mind attacking the rim. I think Jeff T can is a better ball handler, which is good. And I think he's more of a, a three-level scorer, you know, whether it's ba- not the baseline, whether it's mid-range, closer to the rim, uh, three-point shot, you know, whatever the case may be. I think he's offensively, as a, facil- as a facilitator and overall point guard, probably a little bit better than Marcus Smart. Again, I think Marcus Smart is better than Jeff Teague. He does so much more than, you know, just facilitating and shooting and all that. So don't, you know, come up my butt with that, all right? It's just I really think Jeff Teague brings a little bit something different than Brad Wanamaker did. We all know that I love Brad Wanamaker, and I have to say congratulations to Brad Wanamaker. He signed a nice deal with the Golden State Warriors. He's going to be the backup for Steph Curry. No one can shoot free throws. Like Brad Wanamaker, he led the league in free throw percentage last year. Thank you very much. And I think the other thing that Brad Brad Wanamaker brings that's better than Jeff Teague is defense. Jeff Teague's defense is okay. I thought Brad Wanamaker could cover multiple positions where, I'm I'm like, you know, the point, the shooting guard, and the small forward where I feel like Jeff Teague can really only guard the one and the two, you know, the point guard and the shooting guard. But I think he can shoot better. And facilitate the ball better than Brad Wanamaker. So that is definitely an upgrade. And like I said, he can score on all three levels probably better than Brad Wanamaker. And you could have the argument maybe better than Marcus Smart too. And again, I haven't followed Jeff Teague a lot lately, you know, since his, you know, he's kind of spiraled a little bit. I mean, I think at one point he did make an all-star team or was pretty close to making an all-star team. But every single time I've watched him, I just feel like he's just like, meh, he just doesn't care. Like, he just seems like a guy that doesn't play with a lot of energy, so hopefully Marcus Smart can bring that out of him. Hopefully he realizes if he's on a one-year deal on a team that can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals that he can get more money down the road. So hopefully he gives, you know, gives it all. So I think Jeff Teague being a backup point guard for Kemba Walker or being a backup for Marcus Smart is a good thing, and hopefully he can facilitate the ball well and realize, you know, I'm I'm the guy off the bench. I, I think he might be, I don't want to say our biggest scorer, but I think he might be our most trusted scorer off the bench if Marcus Smart does smart. Uh, if Marcus Smart does smart. <laughs> if Marcus Smart does start. So, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly content with Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. Veteran leadership. Hopefully they can be good locker room guys for this team, and especially with the young guys. Now, speaking about the young guys, let's talk about the NBA draft from the other night. The Celtics uh, couldn't draft uh, Kira Lewis Jr. He was taken 13th. They didn't draft Sadiq Bey. They didn't draft Vernon Carey Jr. Cole Anthony was taken 15th. The Celtics had the 14th pick. And so, yeah, so some of the guys that I wanted the Celtics to draft, they didn't draft. That's okay. One of the guys that I didn't mention in the podcast uh, last week, but, you know, he, he was probably one of my top five choices. And w- what I mean by that is, like, he was fifth. Uh, but the Celtics at 14th from the University of Vanderbilt, or is it Vanderbilt University? Either way, the number 14th pick, the Celtics selected Aaron Neesmith. Shooting guard, he is arguably, if you ask any scouting guy, if you ask any major ESPN analyst, whatever the case may be, he's the best shooter in the draft. Like, no doubt about it. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. And clearly that is a need for the Celtics, especially off the bench. The Celtics need scoring off the bench. The Celtics need to realize that if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are off in the fourth quarter, maybe if you have some shooting and you spread the floor open a little bit, it will make things easier for them. So hopefully Aaron Neesmith can come in. 
He shot about 52% from three last year. It was like 52.2%. So 52% from three, 82% from the line, and he only played in 14 games because he had a foot injury. And there was a little bit of cause of concern about the foot injury uh, because it wasn't healing as quickly as it should. So some people projected him going 10 or 11. Maybe that's why he slipped down a couple spots. But Danny Ainge said after the draft in his press conference that they went through all the steps and they trusted their medical doctors and all the health protocols that they went through to make sure that his foot was okay. So the interesting thing about Aaron Neesmith is – you know, he shot 52% from three his sophomore year in 14 games, but his freshman year, he only shot 37%. Now, it's crazy to say someone only shot 37% when we were just talking about Jeff Teague and Marcus Smart, who only shoot 37%. So coming in to camp, this kid should be the best shooter, probably outside of Tatum. It should be Tatum, Neesmith, and then it's a crap shoot after that because sometimes Jalen's good, sometimes uh, Marcus Smart's good. Will Jeff Teague shoot threes? What about Carson Edwards? So on and so forth. And Romeo Langford won't be shooting any threes anytime soon because he's made out of glass. Sorry, I'm going to keep throwing shots in as much as I can. But anyways, the good thing about Aaron Neesmith is he sets his feet, he uses his legs, and his guide hand, which is his left hand, always stays straight. Like if you watch Ray Allen take a three-pointer and you look at his right hand, he flicks his wrist properly. But then if you look at his left hand, it literally just stays straight. It just rolls right off, and it's perfect. It's a great shot. He's a very good catch-and-shoot shooter, which is great, which basically means if you guys ever watch, you know, an example for me would be J.J. Redick. Maybe an example for you would be Kyle Korver or Duncan Robinson uh, in, in the playoffs in the bubble against the Heat when the Celtics played the Heat. Just he could be a guy that could literally just run around in circles, and he can – run around and find a spot and as long as Kemba or Jason or Marcus or Jeff Teague or if it's Peyton Pritchard whatever the case may be as long as the person passing the ball puts it in the right spot he will hit that shot off of catch and shoot which is great and the other good thing about it is he can read the defense very well so he'll keep running around like if he thinks he has an opening but then he can see what the defense might be doing he can react to that and maybe take a v-cut and go back the opposite way so that's a good thing now with that being said He's not a great facilitator, and he has a hard time creating a shot on his on his own. Like, he's not terrible at it. He just has some difficulty doing it, but it's something that can definitely improve over time for the Celtics. He has a 6'10 wingspan, which is nice for someone who's only 6'6". Six six. Um, he can, like... He can be an okay defender, but he's just not the best defender, and if you listen to... Uh, Beetle and Zolak, or Bertrand and Zolak on 95 The Sports Hub, uh, I think it was the day after the draft, they had Jerry Stackhouse, who was the coach down in Vanderbilt, who coached Aaron Neesmith, and he even admitted, you know, there are times where Aaron Neesmith needs some improvement on defense, and he thinks that, that you know, Brad Stevens and Brad Stevens' system can help. Be, you know, I don't know why, but, you know, if you watch some of the tape why he plays defense, sometimes he has some heavy feet, he doesn't have a lot of bounce to it, he doesn't have a lot of great lateral movement, and that's okay. So, it's good. You have some shooting off the bench, so that's a plus. It will help spread the floor for you know Tatum and Kemba and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Jeff Teague or whatever the case may, may be. But this kid better pick it up because we don't have summer league. You're only going to have a handful of preseason games, you know, which is fine, which is obviously you know a need. But overall, this kid's got to pick it up quick, and he better he better be ready to shoot because I think he's going to be an important and big part of the offense. Especially, you know, three minutes left in the first, (laughs) 
and you know the first five minutes of the second quarter and then halfway through the third quarter and then maybe to start the fourth quarter this kid can be a very important part of this team if his shooting works out well so then at 26 the Celtics have some options Desmond Bain was available from TCU no one thought he was going to drop that far he was he's basically Marcus Smart again but maybe with a better jump shot you know high level energy defender can play both ways Obviously, I was bummed about Sadiq Bey. I thought he was going to be a perfect 3 and D guy for for the Celtics. But they went with Peyton Pritchard. Again, I would have maybe taken Trey Jones from Duke. Maybe I'm being a little bit biased, but Trey Jones, minimal turnovers, defensive player of the year, you know, also a sophomore. So it's not like he just came out of his freshman year. Comes from a very good program that a lot of people trust. Uh, I think Duke was one of the three I think there were three schools total that had three kids drafted in this draft Duke was one of them I think Arizona and then Kentucky so I would have loved Trey Jones he is a little bit smaller but Danny decided to go with Pac-12 player of the year Uh, the fourth player in Pac-12 history to lead the league in scoring and assist he joins people like Gary Payton Damon Stoudemire not a bad group to be a part of so who is Peyton Pritchard the six foot two hundred ninety pound kid he played all four years at Oregon, so obviously he's you know he's well established. He I don't know if he's already hit his ceiling, but Danny liked the energy that he brought. He thinks that he's a winner. I feel like he's just he's to me he's just basically T.J. McConnell. He's going to be the new T.J. McConnell. A lot of you may remember T.J. McConnell from those Philadelphia 76ers. You know, just that little gym rat. It's basically everything that I wanted to be or tried to be when I was playing high school hoops or varsity high school hoops uh, down in Chelmsford High was. I just want to be like that little guy that just ran around and just pissed people off. And I feel like this is what Peyton Pritchard is going to be. I mean, he played in the Final Four his freshman year at Oregon, so he's seen the, the spotlights. He's a winner. He tries hard. You know, I mean, my mom told me that I was a winner too, but I, 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 I didn't get very far. But, but that's okay. He, I mean, how does he help the Celtics win a championship? I, I, I don't know. I mean, he has no problem going to the bucket which is great. He has no problem getting hit, which is great. Tough little kid. He can shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, he shoots, you know, about 41% from three. But, again, college is a little bit closer than NBA, so that could change. Um, you know, some of the tapes that I watched on him, I think he can attack the rim and then dish out very well. But, you know, Pac-12 players versus NBA players, he could have some turnovers, you know, and we can deal with that. Uh, he is pretty good on the pick and roll so hopefully maybe him and Tristan Thompson him and the Time Lord him and Daniel Tice can have a good rapport if he does get minutes over Jeff Teague again I think it will be a matchup thing but who knows and he loves passing on the fast break he loves getting the ball and running down the floor and he can pass very well which is the opposite of what Brad Wanamaker wanted to do the issue with the word Peyton or the words Peyton Pritchard and fast break is he's not very fast so I'm a little concerned when the game speeds up it will show up that his athleticism really isn't there. Um, I'm also a little concerned if he'll be able to shoot over people uh, because people will be able to shoot over him very easily only at six foot two. Um, I'm hoping you know longer defenders uh, he can shoot over those guys or he can get open easier. But I'm a, I'm really concerned about his athleticism and if the game speeds up how he can react to that because I'm not saying he plays slow. I'm just saying he is slow, like when it comes to running and. You know, so I'm sure he can react to it in time. I don't think he's going to be an instant impact guy like right away. I feel like he could be one of those guys that you hope 
really catches on with maybe 10 or 15 games left, and maybe he can give us some high-energy minutes, three or four minutes off the bench here and there come to playoff time. Now, do I think he's an upgrade over um, Carson Edwards? I do. I like Carson Edwards. I think it's great the Celtics gave a second-round kid like a three-year deal, but if you you know, you know put a gun to my head right now, I'm going to take Peyton, Peyton Pritchard or Carson Edwards right now. Overall, I'd take Peyton. I think he's a better facilitator. He does make the wrong reads at times, and that's okay, but I think he passed the ball better. Um, he's obviously a little bit bigger than Carson Edwards. Sure, Carson Edwards is probably a better three-point shooter than him, but I think Peyton Pritchard, you know, the, like thinking about it, like Peyton Pritchard being a prick, Marcus Smart pissing people off, and Tristan Thompson getting in people's faces, like we could have a high-energy bench. We really could, and it could be a lot of fun, so it'll be very, very interesting. But this this team needs veteran leadership. This team needs shooting. Uh, you know, you could debate if the team needed another big man or another veteran guy off the bench. I think they do. I think the Celtics are still, you know, a solid piece away from maybe getting to the NBA Finals. But I can see this team 1,000% the way that it's structured right now, the way that we're talking with Tatum and Brown and Smart and Kemba and Tice, Time Lord, uh, Thompson, Teague, Neesmith, Pritchard, Grant Williams, like... I, Brad Stevens is a coach. This team can definitely make the Eastern Conference Finals again. I just think we still might be that little piece away from going to the NBA Finals. So, then the 30th pick in the NBA draft. We still got two more picks to go with the Boston Celtics, and I'll try and make this quick to wrap it up. But the Celtics traded the 30th pick in a three-team deal, and Ennis Cantor is going back to Portland, where he played very, very well, which is why the Celtics probably gave him the money that they gave him to take him away from Portland. And the Celtics also traded the rights to that 30th pick in the draft, uh, a.k.a. Desmond Bain, who I really wanted them to draft, uh, to you know, at, at that moment. Not like overall, but at that moment, he was the best available player. To the Grizzlies for two second-round picks with a bunch of protections. And the fact that there are projections for a second-round pick, like, are we fucking serious? Like, come on. Like, I know it's 2020, but, like, projections on second, I mean, uh, protections on second-round picks, protections, protections on second-round picks, absolutely insane. So, uh, with that being said, uh, we have to play one of my favorite all-time clips that we've always done on the show, and, again, my buddy Big T, he's the funny one. Uh, he is the voice on this skit. I know he loves listening to it, so we got to play it one more time. So, for the last time, until probably... The Trailblazers come to town. Here is Cantor Banter. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby. Wow! Oh, man. I'm going to miss that segment. I, I, I really am, and I hope you are, too. And hopefully, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll think of a, uh, a new segment, maybe with Tristan Thompson or... How many times did we see the Kardashian sisters or maybe an Aaron Neesmith three-pointer type thing? Who knows? A lot to think about with the upcoming season. And then and finally, uh, the 47th pick uh, of the NBA draft, uh, the Celtics did a draft and stash, which is basically they draft him and then stash him overseas, and hopefully he'll be ready in a couple years. And it is Yam Madar. Uh, he's from Israel, the perfect example of a draft and stash. Uh, some are calling him the Israel Patrick Beverly, you know, high-energy defender, uh, but he can definitely shoot the ball better than Patrick Beverly because Patrick Beverly sucks, sucks at shooting the ball. So, yeah, that is it for episode 99 of the Vanner Banter podcast. I know it was a little bit long, but holy shit, did a lot of stuff go on. 
over the last time we talked to you since uh, episode 98. So thank you so much for listening as always. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBancher Podcast. You can always check out the podcast on your favorite podcast apps, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, you name it, I'm on it. And also don't forget to check out all the great uh, podcasts over at Big Night Media. And yeah, I think that's it. So thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week, next Monday, which I think will be what? The 20, no, the 30th. Yeah, November 30th. We'll talk to you then for episode 100 of the Banner Banter Podcast. It should be a lot of fun. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk soon. Have a very, very safe and a very, very good Thanksgiving. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon. Please wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.